Welcome to another podcast from the Rotary End Community Service radio show, which is now in its 11th year. Our show is heard every Friday between 6 and 8 p.m. on Community Radio Station 94.1 FM 3WBC and is also streamed live on the World Wide Web at www.3wbc.org.au. Here is a recorded interview, first played on the 30th of March 2018 by Ian Salick with past District Governor Ian Knight. Now it's my great pleasure to welcome to the program a great Rotary humanitarian and vocal personality, a past Rotary District Governor in District 9800, Ian Knight OAM. Ian was District Governor in 1987-88 but has never stopped working for the Rotary cause, supported very ably by his wife Jenny Knight. Ian has had many roles in Rotary and it's great to have him with us this evening. Ian, a very warm welcome to the 94.1 FM 3WBC microphone. Great to have you with us. Oh, thank you Ian. It's a pleasure to be with you and be on this uh, very fine show of yours. Thank you. Well, it's very nice of you to say that. We're going to have a very interesting chat, I'm sure. And uh, we're going to ask you to give us some insights into your work in Rotary as a Rotary District Governor in 87-88 and on up until your current involvement, which has never really ceased, even though you've ceased becoming uh, the Rotary District Governor. Now, Ian, where were you born and was yours a large family? I was born here in Melbourne. I, I was the eldest of four children. I have uh, another uh, a sister and two brothers, and I'm actually one of 25 grandchildren on my mother's side alone. What an enormous family. I know you're probably not going to tell me they've all joined Rotary, but I bet you've been working on it. Now, Ian, where did you go to school? I went to Gardner Central for a start and then later Scotch College. Wonderful school. And what were those early years like for you? Did you enjoy your education? Yes, I did enjoy my education. Uh, my favourite subject, well, two favourite subjects, was maths, and I seemed to manage them extreme, extremely well, but I loved uh, British history and particularly studying Churchill. Uh, a wonderful man, and of course at the moment, as you know, there's a wonderful new film out called... Uh, uh, Darkest Hour, I think it's called. Yes, I've seen uh, that. Wonderful film on Churchill, and uh, that, I dare say, is uh, grist for your mill. Uh, did you play sport at school? No, I wasn't very very good at sport. I, I was in the under-16C team, uh, and my main recollection was one day I play, we played against Melbourne Grammar and the cold showers afterwards. Well, Melbourne Grammar were probably training young uh, boys in those years to be hardy, perennials and uh, that's not a bad thing after a hard day's sport. And Ian, did you go on to do any tertiary study? No, I didn't. Actually, uh, I'd, my mother always, she was a good judge and uh, she encouraged me to go into retailing and I became a cadet executive of Meyer, Meyer Emporium. And in those days, it was like a tape, I guess, because I had actually, in their Lonsdale Street store, they had school classrooms and we learnt a lot about retailing. Maya was a wonderful trainer, I know, because I used to be involved uh, with selling to them and 
some of those wonderful old directors at Maya were great trainers of young people coming up in the organisation as either retailers on the floor or buyers or or um, or in advertising. They had a wonderful advertising department in those days and one of my very great friends of course went on into their advertising department and learnt his craft there before he went on out into a, a commercial advertising agency outside. How many years were you there for? I was there for about three or four years and then I went to national service. I served that time in the in the Air Force, was actually down at Laverton and then later I left Myers and worked for Nilex Plastics. But uh, by the time I was 24 years old, we had our own business. What was that? It was a small news agency in Bendigo. Really? Bendigo, a beautiful country town. Uh, how... Whereabouts in Bendigo did you have your news Well, agency? it was just up from the up the hill from the, the fountain. Actually, Jenny and I were married at 22, and by the time we were 24, we had our own business. That is very, very entrepreneurial. And was Bendigo in, the, in those days divided into sectors for news agencies? Yes, yes it was, Ian, yes. And did you have a, the central part of Bendigo? Or? No, no, I couldn't afford that. It was a very small news agency <laughs> looking after the outskirts of Bendigo. But in those days, uh, news agents uh, was controlled by the paper offices and, and unless you served your apprenticeship in a small one, they wouldn't let you have a bigger one. And d- did you have to work, I suppose, you would have, a silly question really, but... Did you have to work very long hours? Yes, even in those days, it was still six days a week and we started with no staff. Which means you had to deliver papers at the start? Well, no, we had paper boys, of course, uh, but uh, we we managed. We were younger, of course. (laughs) Well, uh, yes, I know a lot of news agents that take on that role today uh, are young and uh, you can get old pretty quickly, I dare say, working (laughs) in a news agency. It's pretty tiring. At 29 years old, uh, I actually went to Werribee. It was the last place probably I thought I would have ever gone to. But uh, the newspaper officers said that they wanted a younger person down there because they thought it would grow. When we first went to Werribee, uh, it was uh, only 11,000 people. Now there's 250,000 people there now. Just an amazing growth area, that, that corridor down to Geelong is starting to expand on either side of the of the highway. Uh, Jenny, you're married to Jenny, who I know is a great support to you. She, she certainly is. Uh, in fact, so much so, she was a nurse by background. She actually did her... T- she trained at the Alfred Hospital here in Melbourne. But when I became district governor, uh, and I didn't type, that was one of the things I didn't learn at school, and she didn't learn that nursing either, and she went off to uh, Footscray TAFE to learn a, to type so she could help with being me being district governor. So she was a fantastic support. She a, is a wonderful support to you, I know that, and she's still very much part of Rotary in terms of accompanying you to all those events you regularly get to. You're a regular face at most Rotary functions I'm certainly aware and um, what I haven't asked you which I want to do right now is when did you first join Rotary? Well uh, it was in 1968 uh, I was rung up by a news agent actually a past district governor of uh, our district 280 past district governor Ern Oliver and uh, he was in partnership with John Bromish, the famous tennis player, over at Bacchus Marsh. And he said, Ian, would you help me start a, a Rotary Club here? And I said, well, I'm pretty busy. But anyway, I 
certainly got involved and I became Charter Secretary uh, in, in that time, starting the Rotary Club and by 1972 I was President. And what was the name of that Rotary Club? The Rotary Club of Werribee, which I'm ah. still a member of, uh, although I'm not living down there at the moment, but uh, anyway, I'm still a member. And uh, what was the real motivation? I know you were obviously asked to join, but what really warmed well, you to Rotary in the first place? Well, uh, you know, I had some family members, uncles and so forth, have been in Rotary, but I always had uh, great respect for Rotary and its aims and ideals and its ethics and uh, it was a great organisation for networking and, uh, and a great service organisation. I've certainly fi found that so over the past, 30, uh, past 50 years just on now. It's interesting, Ian, that you say it is a great organisation for networking. Um, I, I believe we've really got to play that up a lot more, especially for young members coming aboard. Uh, it's very important. It's not only what it's about. Obviously, it's about service before self, but networking is important. Yeah, isn't it? I think the great strength of Rotary over the years has been it's vocationally based, and I stress vocationally based, where you could be a, a lawyer or a doctor or a bricklayer or a carpenter, or, and the great strength of Rotary, you've always had the, a variety of talents to contribute to uh, service projects. And I think that's what makes it such a bonding organisation. It's, uh, it's got great strength in all those pillars of vocation, hasn't it? It's, it makes it strong. Yes, I, I, there's no question about that. It gives it great strength with the variety of talents and vocations to draw on to, to uh, when you're involved in humanitarian projects or when you're fundraising, for that matter, to finance those uh, service projects. Very, very correct. Uh, how many members does Werribee have? Well, uh, we've got 42 currently, yes. And uh, I always ask this question. Uh, it's getting increasingly more important. Is there a good mix of backgrounds and gender there? Uh, still a good mem mix of backgrounds. There could be more, I guess. Uh, times have changed a lot and we don't have enough uh, ladies in our Rotary Club. We should have more. I mean, I'm, the target's always been to have more women. More women, but uh, and I can speak there with a bit of experience because when I was district governor in '87, '88, it was the year before ladies were admitted to Rotary, and I was charged with one of the responsibilities of selling the, uh, the whole program of admitting ladies in Rotary. And I can assure it wasn't the easiest, but uh, at times because. Uh, People are very resistant to change, but I was very enthusiastic about the change because the ladies, I knew, had a lot to contribute and they certainly do so now. Well, they're a wonderful mix of people and we're coming up to International Women's Day and uh, Rotary this Wednesday, I believe, has a wonderful breakfast. Uh, listeners, you will be listening to this after that particular day has been celebrated, as it is every year at uh, the Palladium at Crown. But... Uh, we are proud of the fact, aren't we, in today, that we have, uh, you know, a quality of membership in terms of gender coming in, uh, and I think that's tremendously important for the strength of Rotary. That the humanitarian uh, stance that women have is second to none. You're quite right, Ian. They have a lot to, lot to give, and they have a different approach to men, and they add a lot to the organisation. There's no question about that. Uh, so that's really good. That's something that is wonderful. Now, Ian, just coming back to Werribee, 
what are their signature local and international projects? Well, particularly after the last uh, few years that I've been involved with that, involved with this particular one, with others in the club, of course, is uh, we oversaw a uh, an international Rotary Foundation grant of some 100 grant and club and personal contributions for $140,000 uh, to dig a, a, a well and provide pump and storage uh, tanks for the water in Uganda in a place called Gulu, which brought water to 2,000 people and uh, 400 students. We were talking only a few weeks ago to uh, one of Rotary District 9800's very strong members, Ruth Carlos Martinez, who does water and sanitation uh, in the Philippines. And uh, I was saying to her that we take water and sanitation in this country for granted, except when there's a drought sometimes. But I dare say it's even more severe than in the Philippines when there is water shortages in Uganda. Yes, yes what? it has. They've had drought conditions, but even more recently we brought a person out from Uganda under a Royce and Jean Abbey uh, Agricultural Vocational Scholarship. For It's a practical scholarship and he was here for three months. He's gone back there and uh, he runs a, a model farm in, in Uganda uh, called Tamarin and uh, because of how he was enthusiastically received in our district many people including uh, a Meredith uh, goat farm who contributed uh, quite a lot of money in fact 15,000 of his own money towards this project in fact out of this whole project and it's hard to go into all the detail here now but because of his ability and his enthusiasm that project going back to his model farmer uh, we've had contributions with including some Rotary Foundation grants and personal money and club money. It's gone up to some 28,000, which has funded uh, uh, a, a very large well and tanks, uh, chicken place to grow and grow chickens and and get eggs and, and other. Uh, it's a real project. It's a real, it's a real project. In fact, I will just finish on this and say that he even learnt a lot more about vegetable growing from the Werribee South farmers and in fact they sent him home with a lot of seeds and he's now growing a lot of seeds Isn't that actually that came from Werribee. Marvellous international cooperation and obviously Werribee was one of the, as you're saying, one of the, the very uh, major contributors to that, uh, to that project. What about local projects that Werribee are involved with Ian? Well over the years and I go back a a long time we've funded things like, or not funded, started things like Little Athletics over the years. They're currently uh, doing a lot of beach cleanup around Werribee South and the Werribee River, uh, which is a, an icon of that area. Although, and of course, uh, the Werribee River feeds a lot of the water for the Werribee South irrigation areas. Uh, but there are many projects done locally. In fact, they've just had a, a special fundraiser, a golf day to fund an intensive hair, intensive uh, ward uh, operating theatre in the uh, Werribee Hospital. Uh, that's just uh, superb stuff. Uh, and uh, I know, as most of the clubs in Rotary District 9800, there are always those signature projects, and that's interesting that you're doing that in your club. Ian, uh, before becoming a district governor, uh, what roles did you have in... Uh, 
in your club and at the district level? Well, I, you know, I served on all of the committees, community service committees of Rotary. We had, you know, the major fourth to five avenues of service, youth, youth service over the years. Jenny and I'd host nine exchange students uh, with our family. Uh, we've done many, many other things. Uh, and then after I was district gov, uh, dist- after I was president in 1972-73. I was asked to be district chairman for Rotaract, which is a young people service organisation sponsored by Rotary, and I looked after the Rotaract for most of Western Victoria. And in fact, during that time, I was involved in starting uh, 11 Rotaract clubs. In fact, at that stage, Rotaract was extremely strong, and I was involved in running a, a conference with the then Rotaract representative who was Rob Borbidge who subsequently came Premier for Queensland because he shifted up there and it was a conference for some 300 Rotaractors so it was a very strong uh, group of young service-minded people in those days. And when they go on from Rotaract, what age can they can they go uh, or be in Rotaract for? Well, that has changed. Rotaract used to go to just from 18 to 30 but now Rotaractors can be, become Rotarians uh, at any time. It's a wonderful part of Rotary and hopefully, uh, you know, as you say, if they start in Rotaract, they can go on and become Rotarians in a club. Uh, they're nurtured by Rotary clubs. they Rotaract clubs, aren't they? Yes, they are. And uh, uh, actually, after I'd finished that... Uh, project in about the late 70s, I think it was about 79 or thereabouts, I was asked to be a member and promotion committee of the Rotary Foundation. That was in uh, uh, in about 78 or 79 and I think that uh, I have been involved in the, our Rotary Foundation in many facets of it, group study exchange, scholarships and so forth, uh, and I'll talk a bit more about that later for the last, uh, I guess, 30 years. And Ian, very proudly, uh, you um, are the recipient of an Order of Australia medal, an OAM. What, uh, and I don't want you to be shy about this, what did the citations say about you? I'll come back to that in a minute, but in, 19, in 1996, I was a Citizen of the Year for the city of Werribee, actually. And then in 2006, you're quite right, I did receive an Order of Australia and on the citation it actually says for service to the community of the city of Wyndham, particularly through aged care services and Rotary International. But I was very involved in general service there. I was president of the Chamber of Commerce and in that time, when I was president in 72-73, in those days, there was not an aged care facility in, in Werribee at all, and I initiated that, and, and in fact, I'm still on the board of that uh, aged care facility, uh, and uh, in fact, uh, I've been involved, for, well, since that time. Uh, the, the opening was just on, you know, about 1979, and we now have uh, 100 residents. You are a wonderful contributor uh, to the area that you were working in with your news agency, a wonderful contributor. You still are, I know, by what you've just said. Ian, uh, thank you for letting us get to know you, the man, a little better. Um, and after a break, uh, I want to come back and talk 
some more to you about your district governor's year, the start of that district governor's year back in 1987-88. Ian, you would have formed some very clear ideas of what you wanted to prioritise in your year uh, in Rotary. What were your main areas of focus and aims for the Rotary year in which you were district governor? Well, that particular year of 1987-88 was very historic. It was the year of Polio Plus, where the Rotary World planned to immunise all the children of the world in partnership with uh, the United Nations. And that was our challenge, and our district was fantastic. I was very, very involved with a, a great team in our district, and we raised in that year some 670000 to contribute to the worldwide campaign to immunise all the children of the world now, from polio. Now, in those days, there were some 1,000 people dying worldwide per day from polio, let alone all of those injured. So, it, and we had the the world had the ability through the immunisation of a couple of drops uh, on on a child's tongue to immunise the children against polio. So that was a major priority to not just raise money, but to acquaint the world of the, or our district and, and the whole world for that matter, of the, the problem of polio. And as of this year, uh, I know that polio has been limited to only about two countries. Uh, and it, as they say, we're this close to eradicating polio. I haven't got the latest figures, but the latest figures are only possibly down to about 12 cases this year in in very difficult areas like Afghanistan and Pakistan. And, and Pakistan, where it's very difficult to get into yes. in terms of the political turmoil in those countries. very difficult to send volunteers to uh, provide the polio uh, remedy. I was also involved in starting two new Rotary Clubs uh, that year in the district, which were great ex experience to sort of grow Rotary, and uh, Rotary was certainly growing at that time. Well, in regard to that, membership retention and, and gains of membership in Rotary are, are key factors. I'd like to ask you, Ian, with your great experience, how do you believe clubs can improve in both these areas, both in retaining members and gaining new members? I, I think the main, main thing Rotary clubs need to do, is, particularly with new members, is to give them a, a meaningful job uh, vocationally or, or community service uh, or responsibility and getting them involved in, in projects. That's the key to thing. We found that you lose people when you don't involve them and give them a job. Participation. Participation, correct. I, I'd also say that through conferences and, and, worth, and inspirational conferences you can inspire people to uh, contribute more and be more involved and I was privileged to run a district conference in Albury that year where we had 1,267 participants and it was a great experience and uh, to finish the conference everybody went home with a bag of vegetables from Werribee South. <laughs> Fabulous, what a great gift from them to take home and of course with that number of people not only good for Rotarians uh, but also wonderful for the town of uh, Albury. I would have thought that would have been a major 
influx of people and a great boost to their local economy. It certainly did. How certainly. many days did you run that conference? Uh, well, we made it very short and sharp. We started Friday, so young business people and others involved, they could leave their businesses at lunchtime and get up to Albury and had an opening on a Friday night and went Saturday and Sunday and they went home Sunday after a picnic lunch in the local botanical gardens. Wonderfully done. Uh, Ian, I want to ask you, as I say again, with all your experience, what do you see are the future activities where Rotary International can contribute to make the organisation even more relevant, to have greater relevance in, in our world? What, what things can Rotary do to enhance itself and improve the world? Well, particularly through our Rotary Foundation, our International Rotary Foundation, where we uh, clubs can apply for and get grants and with some of their own money and some grant money, do projects throughout uh, developing countries, like the earlier one I mentioned with uh, water in Uganda. And I think that's the important thing is to get involved. We are very, very careful with our money because uh, we make sure that it gets to the coalface. Very much so, the following of grants and the application of the grants and also that very important factor, sustainability, Ian. Yes. Tremendously important. And you mentioned in the first part of the interview your project in Uganda. One of the great requirements of that project was to ensure its sustainability. Water and sanitation and food growing is two of the very, very key uh, situations in these developing countries. I've been to some of these developing countries. I've been to the Solomons, I've been to Samoa and I've been to, to Timor. And in fact, uh, I was involved in pioneering a project. Uh, our district was what's called a Future Visions district a few years ago and I was given the responsibility of pioneering a project uh, under the Rotary Foundation called Vocational Training Teams where we funded appropriate people and in, in this instance uh, we found up in Timor-Leste and I went there to investigate it they were losing one in 35 mothers through childbirth it was a Catholic country with a high birth rate and if you lost mother and baby if, if you lost mother at number six child who looked after the family and in fact that project, uh, the first project I got between clubs and others uh, and foundation grant it was 115000 and we funded eight visits and in fact it's still going on with a further grant, eight visits were upskilling the midwives up there and, and the team that we had was led by Professor Jeremy Oates who's a obstetri leading obstetrician in Melbourne and Professor Sue McDonnell who's a professor of midwifery at La Trobe University and they've done a fantastic job in upskilling the midwives in Timor-Leste. And I know you've been uh, oiling those wheels of progress with the input that you had and I know what you've done and you should be very, very proud of it. Is there anything else that you think Rotary can do in the world? Uh, uh, we're nearly at the end of the the polio eradication, although it needs to go, I know, for another three years before you can say uh, that the last case has been heard of. There are other areas that Rotary could look at. Have you got any, any thoughts about well, where it might go and what it might do? Particularly through the development of our Peace uh, Scholar Project uh, program, we have six universities, the Rotary Foundation funds six universities uh, worldwide, 
to train peace scholars and they have been some very, very fine peace scholars that developed to try and, you know, it's a practical, they're practical scholarships where they're taught to, you know, to mediate and be involved in peace discussions. And I know there's been mention of, of very major areas of focus such as slavery and malaria. Rotary's got to obviously in the future consider how it can employ itself to look at those particular areas. But at the moment, the focus is to make sure the world is free of polio. Um, Ian, in previous interviews with uh, immediate past Rotary International President John Germ, for example, and more recently with our very own current Australian Rotary International President, Ian Risley, we've asked a similar question and I want to ask it of you. At the conclusion of your year, what did you want Rotarians in District 9800 to say about your achievements as District Governor? And do you believe that you achieved the aims that you set out to achieve? Yes, I believe we did, particularly in in regard to polio. Uh, I guess because I'd been a a retailer and marketing person, I realised the importance of the program and I had no problem in selling that program. And that was 30 years ago, and we thought we would have eradicated polio earlier than this, but it was certainly we gave it a a very, very good start, and and, and it's still continuing to a point we've just about finished that program with only a handful of cases. Well, Ian, past District Governor Ian, OAM, Ian Knight, OAM, thank you for talking to us on the Rotary and Community Service Radio Show. Thank, Thank you, Ian, for having me on this. You're a very fine show. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This podcast was produced and presented by Ian Salek of Rotary District 9800 in Victoria, Australia. Podcasts can be found on iTunes by searching for Rotary Radio, then scrolling to Doing Good in Victoria.